This is To The Point. A Rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, podcast listeners, wherever you're at, our guests. It's good evening for him. Um, we are excited for our guest today, but we want to welcome you first to the to the Point Home Services Podcast. I am your host, Chris Yano, along with my co-host with the extra fluffy hair today in the Charlotte studio, Mr. Tall Paul Redman. What's up, my friend? You always catch me off guard when you call out some physical attribute, like <laughs> right out of the gate. But Chris, it's good to be back in the virtual studio. I got to spend last week with you and your lovely wife and some of our sales team down in Mexico. And so we took an actual week off the podcast and um, tell you what, man, I'm feeling refreshed, ready to go. It was kind of nice. If you get to listen to that podcast, we reposted one with Jens Pulver, my man, Lil Evil, um, just because I love his story that much. Because originally his podcast, that he was almost episode three back in the day, bro. So uh, I don't know if any of the, anybody listening to this has just went through this because today is actually, what, the 19th of May and when sure. we're recording this one. Um, but I had a, a little bit of a rough two days. You know why? Not because I'm recovering from Mexico. It's because <laughs> my youngest daughter graduated from kindergarten yesterday. And then my middle daughter just graduated eighth grade. So she's going to be a, a high schooler next year. And my oldest daughter uh, is going to be a senior in college next year. So that's a Pretty big gap. My son will be fifth it's grade. flying by. So I didn't mean to mention, but that's just not like anything special going to four. Well, you four you to did fifth. the math on how long until you're an empty nester, and it's not that long. Twelve years. Yeah, that'll fly by, especially Fast. the way things are going. So, um, okay, listen, I want to get into it because we're already uh, pretty. Uh, it's nine nine thirteen p.m. where our guest is, so I want to be aware of that's this right. time. So, um, our <laughs> so our guest and I actually this is the first day we've actually ever talked, dude. Me and you, same. Um, and. And, but I've heard a lot about him and his name over the years, and I've even competed against him in his market. I just doesn't know um, with, really? one of, with one of his competitors. Um, but again, it's been 14 years in the trade. So now you got you to <laughs> tell me who that competitor was, but okay. Maybe, maybe one day I'll share with you. Um, but our guest is from, now you're originally from, well, I'll go, I'll go ahead and do the introduction first, and I'll go ahead and ask some questions. And I'm going to pull you into some icebreaker questions that I love to do. Um, but we have Tom Howard on with us too, who's a VP of customer experience at Service Titan, but the owner of Lee's Air Plumbing and Heating out of Fresno, California. Um, do you have like six locations with Lee's now? Is that what I saw on your site? You know, we have like three <laughs> real locations. Got it. So, uh, I yeah. get it. I get it. I understand. <laughs> Looks like six, baby. Perception is reality. That's right. Now you're originally from Provo, Utah. Uh, no, I actually went to school in Provo for well, two years at BYU. Yeah. Okay. So you went to BYU. So I, Ooh, you want to hear a fun fact, Kyle, listen up, buddy. My daughter, who's like, I just said, going from eighth grade into a freshman's a goalkeeper and she got a, you can't, t- you can't technically recruit until they're a sophomore. Um, but she got the ID, she got the come to BYU to do the ID camp. I'm using air quotes to, you know, for the coaches oh, to sweet. see her. Which is, which is pretty cool. Too soon. She got four more years awesome. left to go. Um, now, but today you are actually sitting in, and I want to make sure I say this right. Is it Yerevan, Armenia? Yeah. Yerevan, Armenia. Yerevan, yeah. Armenia. And it is uh, 9 15 p.m. So we appreciate you being out. Now, now, did I, I think I, I listened to, I don't remember if it was a, a webinar or podcast or something that you're on that you did, you've 
you were just telling us pre-podcast, you've been there for, I think about a month, right? Or so a month or so. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you have some time where you lived in Eastern Europe? Yeah, I lived in Hungary. So I speak Hungarian. I lived there for two years uh, as a religious missionary. Got it's it. It's not related to Armenian at all. Got so it. Yeah, but it's didn't like, help at all. <laughs> but it's kind of like, oh yeah, so it didn't help. <laughs> it did you no good. But you at least kind of got somewhat, was there any like cultural similarities at all over there? Culturally, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Russia used to, you know, they were all in the Soviet Union. So um, or at least Russia was over Hungary for a while. But Armenia is actually bordering Iran. Right. So kind of a different, it's a hotter environment here and a little different. A little different. But your whole family is there with you, which actually would make me feel better. If oh, I was yeah. Like, wonderful. Well, listen, we, man, we appreciate oh, yeah. you coming on the show. I'm excited to get into it. So Thanks. We, Thanks for having me so much. Yeah, we have listeners kind of really all over the globe, which is pretty cool. Um, and it's really amazing to, to see new new areas pop up. And I didn't even look to see what Armenia, that area looks like. I can't imagine it's very big. Um, no. mo- mostly it's like United States, Canada, Australia, UK, Ireland, like that. Hey, in, in Mexico, we had a listener oh, walk up to us in the airport and came up to me and said, hey, you're Paul, right? And I looked at him like, how in the world do you know That's my true. name? And he was a <laughs> listener just traveling through Cancun. So Cause I know, man, I know oh. listeners, you won't be able to imagine this, but tall Paul looks like a tourist when he goes anywhere. He has oh, like, well, a... <laughs> I mean, you, you bought me for, to my defense, Chris, you bought me one of those like beach hats with like custom logo on it that I had no other choice, but to wear it. That was actually wear the, it at the airport. That was actually the only cool thing you had on the <laughs> pants and the shirt were the part I'm talking about. I was the like, he had, he had like the elastic ankle part on the pants, you know, I'm talking about like the where it's. Elastic. Those are joggers. Those are, I'm trying to be hip. No, those aren't joggers. Anyhow. Okay. We're going to get into this. So what I love to do with all of our guests is let's learn a little bit about Tom Howard that maybe you don't know and that I don't, I sure as heck don't know. So I like to ask these questions because a few little icebreakers. So are you ready, Tom? Yeah. Okay. Shoot him at me. All right, buddy. So here we go. Question numero uno, Paul, that means number one, just so you know, um, is if you had to sing any karaoke song, what would your oh, go-to gosh. song be? Oh, uh, I don't know. Probably some, oh, there's a great country song called uh, If You're Going Through Hell. I don't even know who sings oh, it, yeah, but I hear it on the radio all the time. Um, yeah. Keep on moving. Don't slow down. Walk right through it. Yes. You might get out before the devil even knows you're there. Oh, yeah. There you go. So, oh, my favorite so now we We're going to get the title out of that. We're going to get the title of the podcast. It's Dirk's Bentley. It's Dirk's Bentley. It's Dirk's Bentley? Okay. I love the lyrics. I can tell you how many times you've been in a bad spot in business and you just have to like put your head down and keep moving. That doesn't happen. Um, that never happens. You can't sit there and take hits. <laughs> this too shall pass. Producer Kyle's <laughs> on it figuring out. Okay. Question number two. Now, you, you, I've, I've gotten two wrong already, so we'll see if I got this one right. Did you live for a stint of time in Alaska? Yes, I did. I've lived in 11 states now. Okay. So when people ask me where I'm from, I'm like, uh, tell me where you're from and let's see where it matches up. So then this is perfect because this is right, rolls right into my next question. What's, what's your favorite place you've lived or visited? Um, gosh, that's a, that's a tough question. Living probably Alaska. My wife didn't like it, but I loved it. I mean, fishing and stuff was amazing. Yeah, sure. And, uh, visited probably, I really did like Eastern Europe, honestly. So Okay. And you spent two years in Eastern Europe? Yep. yep. 
Got it. Okay. This next one I've never asked anybody, Tom, so you're the first. Oh, boy. Good luck. <laughs> and it is completely random. And this is where I kind of learned a little bit about Tom Howard, uh, other than the fact he likes country music and he's traveled a ton and lived in a lot of places. <clears throat> and it is, what is, oh, Paul, you ready for this, buddy? Probably not. Okay. What is the biggest animal you could knock out with one punch? Oh. <laughs> Oh, I'm not a fighter, man. I, I, it's it's got to be somewhere like in a small dog, you know, like dog or something. A dog. Uh, it's not. Why would you put him in that situation? <laughs> Why would you put someone in that position? To visualize that. Sorry, Peter. I've never tried to punch an animal before. <laughs> Oh, that was too funny. I, I read that somewhere. I remember what it, it was like an icebreaker question, and I was like, oh, I got to remember that. I take a picture of it, and it's like, who am I going to ask? And I thought, oh, that's the one guy I've never talked to before. Uh, <laughs> that worked out perfect. A dachshund. All right. Okay, moving on. Last two. Two more. A little bit better. Oh, my God. Peter, we apologize. Um, he didn't mean oh, it. Sorry. He didn't mean it. Um, okay, so who, and this is getting a little more serious, who is your hero? Ah, uh, gosh. Um, one of the ones I follow a lot is a guy named, uh, um, John Huntsman. I, he, I just, I just finished reading his book, uh, called barefoot to billionaire. And the dude started out in backwoods of Idaho with nothing, almost died when he was born. Um, ended up making a giant global petrochemical company. And, uh, his whole plan was he's like, man, I want to cure cancer and I'm going to need a butt ton of money to pull it yeah, off for sure. So he uh, started the Huntsman cancer Institute. He donated, he's like in total, all of his donations, like $1.5 billion. Wow. And he, he just kept, it was so crazy. Like his whole business mindset was like, I'm just going to go make more. And then I'm just going to freaking make the most awesome stuff you've ever seen. That's and uh, yeah, he did I it. That. I love that. Well, you, now you, you are, um, you do stuff for make a wish, right? Or yeah. Lee's does. Yeah. We're big into that. Obviously, um, one of our core values here is giving back. It's not cliche. It's something that we, we do every month. We do a Rhino service day one Friday every single month where we shut this place down and everybody goes and serves somewhere, no matter whether you're in our Phoenix office, Charlotte, wherever. And that is one that's become, uh, it's still, we still do it. It's just that as the company continues to grow, um, you, people aren't taking on people of our size so you have to split up and kind of do different things but we're still doing it because i believe that's the best team builder you can do is when you go and give to somebody else it has nothing to do with yourself it fulfills the soul man it makes you feel good um okay last question you ready and this is gonna be a good segue into our first actual real questions um what did you want to be when you grew up dude i want to be an engineer and then i found out what engineers do and i'm like well that that looks like it sucks. Um, I'll go into business. <laughs> Same. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Yes. I, uh, um, I, I thought so too. Uh, cause I really wanted to go to Purdue and Purdue is a great engineering school. And then they're like, you Both actually my to- parents went there. Both parents. Really? Boiler yeah. up. Boiler up. Anyway, that's great. Yeah. But that school's uh, apparently a little bit too smart for me. So didn't work. Didn't, <laughs> didn't really pan out. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, okay. apparently my you from the mid are you from the midwest i'm from indiana originally yep grew up there wow yep. i was born there you're a Outside hoosier you wait yeah, here i, I thought we're just now listen anytime you're i don't care if you live there for a day 
My son was born in Indiana. <laughs> I, I got my wife there for two years, and my son was born in Indiana, so technically he's a Hoosier, too. I love Hoosier. it. You and I just became best friends, Tom. Did you wrestle awesome. growing up? <laughs> no, I did not. Thank goodness. <laughs> he's not much of a fighter. You heard him say that, right? I played basketball growing up, oh, boy. Um, even though my family hated IU, but, you know. For um, me, baby. Of course. The yeah. Arrivals. Back in the day. You don't like, if you don't, if you like, if you're a Purdue fan, you hate IU still to this day. This is the way it yeah. works. Have to. Yep. All right. So listen, let's segue into that. I am so glad I just learned that. That's fantastic. I love I love it when a good story comes together. Um, awesome. So let's go ahead and segue into then um, kind of tell us your story. Like how you, I mean, how did you end up getting into the trades and um, yeah, it's like, what's that come up look like? Yeah, I was like, I was 15 years old. My mom told me I had to get a job when I turned 15 and some guy came over to fix my fridge. That's good. Parenting. Uh, he was yeah, I was hooking up a water line, and I said, hey, uh, do you got any job openings? He said, sure, you can, like, clean the trucks and sweep the floors, and that was it. I would uh, ride my bicycle over there after after school. Where were you at, high school and where, where was this at? This is in New Hampshire, actually. And okay. um, so from, like, 15 to about age 19, I did that. And um, I uh, joined the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. Some of you know, it was Mormons. My parents weren't too happy about it, but I had saved all this money doing HVAC in high school so I could go on a mission. And I said, peace out. And I went to Hungary for two years, came big, back, it's a big and deal. I was broke. What? Man, that's a big deal. Make You need I, to make the two-year move yeah. to another foreign country. I mean, that's crazy. Especially when you're not raised in the LDS church. That's That just really surprised me. Wow, that's a big move. Yeah. Do a lot of people do that? Um. As some, I mean, I have yeah. friends that were that age, but that did, but, um, yeah, it, it took all my money though to, uh, you know, you pay to go. So I took all the money I'd earned and spent it on that. And so when I was coming home, my dad definitely wasn't too keen on giving me more money to go to college, uh, yeah. that I had already spent the money I had. Um, my mom did the join the church right before I left. So she was more accepting of it. But bottom line was I had to find some more money. And so I did air conditioning again. I moved out to California. My my buddies lived out there and they said school was cheap out there. So I flew out there and um, got a job at a company called Lee's AccuTech Service Inc. A friend of a friend knew a friend who was like friends with the <laughs> wife in the choir of uh, somebody that owned the company. Unreal. Anyway, Random. <laughs> bottom line is got a job, knew somebody. Um and they hired me as a salesperson. I was like the worst sales guy they ever had. Um, but I figured out how to, uh, I made some little computer programs that helped me sell air conditioning. And uh, the company liked it and said, hey, would you you know, do this stuff in the office? I said, sure. I went to junior college in California for two years. And when I finished, um, I went to the owner of Lee's AccuTech and I said, hey, I want to um, go to business school. So I never have to do air conditioning ever again. And uh, he laughed and he got the last laugh, I got to say, because I went to, I got an opportunity to go to BYU. Um, I uh, finished my bachelor's degree there in finance, got out, finance sucked. I was like, man, (laughs) (laughs) this is is a really dumb idea. Maybe I should have stuck with the engineering thing. You're like 25 Uh, this time, like shortly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like 25, 26. Um, I just had my first kid and I quit my finance job. There's a long story about that, but basically I had a newborn at home and no plans and no money. And my wife's like, what were you thinking? Um, yeah. And, uh, I can relate. 
Yeah, we ended up, I, I tried working in uh, law. My father-in-law had a one-man law practice that uh, needed some help up in Alaska. So that's why we moved oh, up there. It. And we, we turned the law practice around really quickly, but I hated law. And I thought, wow, that was <laughs> kind of fun. And um, we uh, hired an extra attorney, um, did an acquisition with no money, which was kind of cool. Um, well, at least the time we're, we're trying to pull that off. And uh, not buying any money call. or no cash? Yeah, like, yeah. That we got the owner to carry the note. Um, oh, cool. Basically. And that was my, and they basically had too much overhead to be covered by the one attorney, you know, doing stuff. And when we figured out, thought, okay, this is all we have to do is just grow it. And funny, you know, that's like, here we are. Obvious. Um, so <laughs> I got a call from uh, the owner of Lee's and he said, Hey, you know, um, he had had uh, uh, a death in the family and he said, Hey, uh, do you want to come back down and be a GM at Lee's? I said, sure. So I went down there and um, he made me the GM and I had worked there before. So I knew them. Uh, I knew the employees. We had about 13, 14 employees. It was the middle of a recession. Um, and then a year later, he uh, basically gave me the opportunity to get in for almost nothing again because it was he carried the note and I uh, bought bought the whole company, sold them back half a year and a half later. Thought I made a great deal, but then it kept growing. So in the end, <laughs> um, I had a partner for a while while we grew, and uh, then I was able to. Um, work out a deal with them to purchase the rest of it in 2019. I think we closed in early 2020. So for about the past two years, I've um, owned all of it, but I've been the operating partner since 2012. What do you attribute? And there's so much to talk about here, but what do you attribute to the growth over that period of time? It's not like you just stumbled in and had blind luck. Like when you look back, what was it? Yeah. Um, a few things. I mean, I look at those first few years and we had slow growth. I mean, it was the middle of recession. That's part of the issue, but we had, you know, um, almost no cash. We had debt on the business that was needed to get through the recession when I got there and we were working that out. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I was, um, when I have business owners come and talk to me like, Hey, what do I do next? You know, I, I feel like I'm in over my head. I'm like, dude, I've been feeling like I'm in over my head since, you know, for the past 10 years, <laughs> yeah. there's always something that we need to do better. Um, and so we had slow growth those early years, but, um, the one thing I point to that, you know, when people ask me if there's something they could do, cause everyone wants a silver bullet. The one thing I can say is that I would go and learn from every shop I could. I found that almost everybody is like willing to teach you something there is no air conditioning business college or plumbing business college. Like there's, you can learn how to fix an AC unit, but they're not going to train you how to forecast, how to analyze your business, how to, you know, um, really run these things. There's services out there to do it, but to learn yourself is tough. Right. So I flew to every shop I could, anyone that would let me in their door. I didn't care if they're a $500,000 shop or a, what? Drop some names. Okay. Um, one of them that was really great and helped me out a lot was um, Champion AC out of uh, Texas, Texas, San Antonio, Texas. Yep. Um, guy named Ben Hubbard owned it. Uh, I believe he sold about a year ago. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, I went and visited. Uh, oh, one that was really cool to me was um, you know Horizon Services out on the East Coast. Oh yeah. This is when I was further developed, but they were several hundred million in sales, and Dave Geiger is just one of the coolest guys always helped me out and gave me advice and he was huge and I was tiny and he didn't care. 
He'll be on. The, um, he's actually going to come on the podcast. I think he's booked, you, booked for June second. Oh, great guy! Yeah, actually, Tom, you just unlocked it because it's uh, the podcast genie. If his name is mentioned twice or more than twice, <laughs> they become a guest. So he'll be coming on. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's people um, just all over the the country that um, I'd go and show up, and um, you know, they they show me something. And the reality is even a $500,000 a year shop or a hundred million dollar year shop, everybody's doing something right that yeah. I wasn't doing at my shop. So I, you, it didn't matter how big they were, what they were doing. I could always take something. And, um, I had a boss, I still did air conditioning when I was going to BYU in Utah and, uh, it's called Western heat and air in Orm, Utah. And, you know, we talked about, and Ryan. Uh, yeah, Ryan snow yeah. and, uh, um, and Angie snow. Oh, amazing. Um, and, they, he was really cool and, um, helped me out a lot, but he, um, we always use the word R and D in, you know, uh, development, research and development. Yeah. He, he told me, he's like, Tom, just do some Robin duplicate here. So he, <laughs> even him, he, he would give me ideas after I was no longer his employee and I was out on my own That's cool, yeah. and I would steal everything I could from him. Sure. So, so where was the company when you took it over and where is it now? If you don't mind sharing. Yeah. So we were at 1.6 million in 2010 uh, and we're, um, we should do about 25 million this year. Nice. Our, our fiscal year is most of the way done. So we're getting pretty close. Um, it'll be between 24.8 and 25.2. I mean, somewhere in that ballpark. Nice job, man. Congrats. It's and, fantastic. And just the fact Thanks. that you're sitting on the other side of the globe while this is going on, you know, you know brings up an entirely another set of questions, but, uh, well, actually, Chris, I, know, yeah, yeah. I, know, I know, but hang on, let's just, because, yeah, you, yeah. because you went there, um, like, how are you, how, how well does your team receive that with you out being there? Cause I've heard sometimes whenever you have an absent owner and like, I was like, we were talking about pre podcast, it seems like the majority of the time it doesn't pan out very small amount of time. It does yeah. clearly you're doing something right. But like, what is, is it, let's talk about it for just a second. Let's go ahead and get into it. Like how are you making yeah. that work? How are you making that work? Yeah. There's a few things. One of the biggest things though is a push for transparency. And we started that long before I left. Um, and I haven't been at the company for a couple of years now. Um, okay. I was doing consulting for a while and then I, I worked full time at smartac.com smartac.com if you haven't heard of it you better find out if you haven't implemented it you better check it out you have to get started doing something 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield what are you doing differently than your competitors you need to make sure that your memberships are sticky smartac.com does that lifetime warranty insurance savings filter discounts 24 7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem live tech chat service providers all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Yeah, I did Blue Collar Profits for a while. Before that, I I, I did it as Tom Howard. I'll show up and if you pay me. Um, I think that's what the name of the business was. <laughs> Sounds um, Still open. <laughs> Trademarked. <laughs> yeah. We'll work for food. Um, and uh, and then I, you know, at Service Titan, I work probably easily 60, 70 hours a week. Um, and a lot of times it's 80 to hundred. It, it, it's not uncommon to get a call from the CEO on a Saturday afternoon saying, Hey, I need to talk about X, Y, Z. It's like, okay. Well, all right. All right. Are you on salary? Anyway, they, got yeah. you, they got you on salary. So they got you on salary, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. That's not an hourly service. Um, so it doesn't matter, of but, course. um, the piece was, and I don't think people associate this with, with being able to walk away from your business. They always say, Oh, you got to build processes. Yes. You got to build processes. Yes. You need 
procedures that are actually implemented so that people will follow them. You've got to have accountability, all that stuff. I'm not saying you shouldn't have those things, but one of the things that they don't associate with it is, is transparency. And when I say transparency, um, we do a couple of things. One is that we show anyone the financials that wants to see the financials anytime. Um, they can see how much money we're making, how much money we're losing. They can see balance sheets. Shoot, my install manager knows how much cash I have in the bank account anytime. Which in is, fact, he's which is, kind of required to. Which is odd if you're not an ESOP, right? Like if you're, yeah. yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, so we started doing it uh, four or five years ago. And the funny thing is, is that when I talk to business owners about it, they're like, oh my gosh, you can't tell my employees, you know, how much, I, how much we're making. They'll think that I'm, you know, making like, you know, a million dollars a year because they see that my EBITDA is a million bucks and I'm really only taking home like hundred K, you know, or whatever it is. I'm like, oh my gosh, you don't get it. Your employees think you make $2 million a year right now. Like you give them the financials, it's just going to bring down their, their thought process on how much you're making. Um, I mean, they see you sell a air conditioning system for 20 G's and they think you're pocketing like 17 of them. <laughs> It's, it was only it's, three grand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. So um, anyway, we, we push for transparency. We show the financial statements and we um, set goals based on those financial statements and everyone's aware of what they are. Part of that piece is, is the second thing is that you have to give them the knowledge to be able to understand what those things mean. So everyone in the company is required to go through leadership training. I don't care if you're pushing the, the broom on the shop floor or you're managing the company in the general manager or president position. That's great. Um, that that way, when you see those financials, you understand what's going on. You understand that EBITDA does not mean this this guy's this is the profit of the company. You can take it home after taxes and everything. Yep. Um, they it's not super advanced. All it is is revenue, cost of sale, gross margin, overhead, net profit. You just gotta understand okay. those five things, and you have to understand how your job affects one of those five things. So if you're a tech, plan. yeah, you're you're gonna affect cost of sale. If you're in the warehouse, you're probably affecting overhead. Um, and cost of sale if you're busting stuff that we have to replace. Right. Yep. Um, so anyway, and that way when they look at it, they can get a rough idea of what's going on. Um, and then what we did was, is I, I lowered my salary. Um, and for a long time there, I was taking home like 70K, 65, 70K a year of uh, personal salary. And then I take a bonus home if we made profit. But the reality was, and we did, I, you know, the bonuses were great. Sure. I'm not going to pretend like I was starving. No. Um, but I would tell them all, look, I get a bonus when you get a bonus. So, and they have bonuses based on, especially for the managers of the departments, they have bonuses based on their gross profit of their department. Um, so if anyone complained about the money I was making or something else, I'm like, dude, you're making more money than I am. I got technicians making a hundred, 120, $130,000 a year. <laughs> and I'm only going to make money if we actually succeed. So if we don't succeed, you're actually taking home like double what I, am. um, now. So when they would do that and they, they sort of feel like they own the company and they really, they might not be a shareholder, but they're definitely stakeholders at that point. Sure. Um, they get bonuses at the end of the year as well, based on net profit, they get bonuses monthly based on gross profit of their department. Um, even installers, um, they get paid a, a, a bonus based on the um, profit of the job that they're on for that day. Um, they each get a hundred bucks if we hit our net profit goal for the job um, in addition to their hourly wages. So at that point, they don't feel like, okay, Tom is, you know, going off doing some crazy 
thing, which I'm going to tell you the stuff I do is crazy. Like if I would just put the ADD aside and focus on one business, I'd probably make more money than what I'm doing now. Um, <laughs> it's relatable, but it wouldn't be any fun. Right. Um, but they get the opportunity to make their own money. Um, they get the opportunity to be, you know, control their own destiny. And, and quite frankly, it, even when I was still working there, it transformed the way that place worked because you would see instead of, Oh man, X, Y, Z guy is slacking off. Maybe the boss will figure it out. Maybe he won't. Instead it's like, Oh wow. X, Y, Z guy is slacking off. We need to throw him off the boat. Cause quite frankly, and I would tell him if that guy's slacking off, it's coming out of your bonus because that guy that's wasting time and wasting money and wasting parts that reduces our profit, which reduces your bonus. And, and immediately you start getting this feeling like, man, I don't, I don't want that guy around. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. Like, and they start fixing it themselves, which really has allowed me to have a lot more freedom to go do the things that, you know, I wanted to do. Like self-managing to some degree. How did, what yeah. was the journey to get there? It wasn't just like, oh, hey, everybody, here's the PL. Like, what was the journey? How hard was it? <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we told them about the leadership training first. Um, we also do a lean management training where they, um, the lean management training is about um, basically minimizing waste within the company. So, giving them the tools they need. So, leadership training gives them the inspiration, the lean management training gives them the tools. Um, and the, uh, and then the financial training gives them the knowledge that they need in order to, you know, um, understand what they're looking at. Was that a two-year process to kind of evolve into that structure? How no, it was like six months. Okay. Um, we just decided we we're going to do it. And uh, the lean management process was actually the biggest piece. Um, when I'm talking to business owners, it's something I started teaching it after a while. I had a really cool story. I... And this one's worth spending a couple of minutes on the podcast on sure. change, changed my life. Um, I, I had a, my accountant actually did something really, really good for a buddy of mine that was dying of cancer. And I mean, this guy was salt of the earth. And I told him, I said, look, if you ever need anything, you let me know. I owe you a favor for what you did for my friend. Um, I told him that at my friend's funeral when he died, um, he said, okay, well, it's like two, you know, you, you never expect that someone's going to, you know, take you up on that. Um, two years later I said, Hey, I'm calling in the favor. I need you to hire somebody for me. I'm like, Oh crap. Okay. Uh, what do you need? You know, how much money do they need to make? He said, Oh, uh, 10 bucks an hour, you know, minimum wage at the time. I said, Psh, if that's all I got to do to pay this <laughs> debt, as far as like, done, send them over. I'll get him an interview. I don't even care what he does I'll, I'll, for 10 bucks an hour to pay this debt back. I'll, I'll do it. He's like, well, that's kind of the problem. So what do you mean? He said, well, he can't come in for an interview. I said, why? He's like, well, he's in federal, federal prison. I'm like, what? (laughs) We're listening. I'm listening. (laughs) (laughs) So this guy, uh, you can look up his name online. His name is Frederick Scott Salyer. And he goes by Scott Salyer, S-A-L-Y-E-R. And um, tons of stories about him. Some positive, well, very few positive, mostly negative online. Um, He owned, he bought a company for a million bucks. And uh, it was a, tomato processing operation out of California. And within, um, uh, I think it was like eight years or nine years, he grew to nine, $880 million of revenue. Um, so he's over, worth over a billion dollars. He ends up going to jail for basically what happened was uh, what he pled to was about 26,000 worth about $26,000 in misappropriations of funds. 
Um, one was a $2,000 bribe that is, that is uh, a buyer, a buyer paid to a buyer's wife. So anyway, I'm not sure. I had my attorney look through it. And then another one was um, a basically a price fixing thing uh, that netted him 24,000 bucks. He changed uh, the Ooh. price on a, on a contract of two cents per pound. Anyway, <laughs> this is what he pled to. I don't know what he's really guilty of and how much other stuff he would have gotten. I don't, I don't know. Um, it's still but, PG uh, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So, but in that case, it's considered Rico. So if you get caught for two things in financial stuff, which is what they did back in the days for like the Al Capones and those kind of things to get rid of, wow. figure out how to take him down. They took all of his assets. So he went from billionaire to zero and like, overnight and he ends up going to jail for um he got sentenced to six years in prison um and he was able to get out in about two and a half part of it was he had to get on work share um and so he needed to get a job it's kind of hard to get a job while you're in prison so i had to write a letter to them saying i would employ him if he could come out and so i had him employed under me for uh one year and that was like his sentence right (laughs) by the way this this was the most awkward oh my gosh i bring this guy into my office he's He's an HR nightmare, right? He immediately makes some comments about how um, the weight of my uh, <laughs> of my customer service reps and oh. how uh, <laughs> I was like, "What are you doing? <laughs> Could you please stop talking?" Um, so we immediately have to have an HR conversation, like day one. Oh man! Um, I told him I put him in the desk next to me, just said, "Hey, tell me what to do." This guy had attended Harvard. Um, he'd run a billion, he'd been a billionaire. I'm like, well, I'm a $5 million business at the time. I grow my business from 1.6 to five. And he said, well, the next thing you got to do is you got to implement lean management. And I said, uh, what's that? So put him in charge. said, this is your project. Get me a lean management trainer. We're going to do a consulting gig. And it basically goes through teaching you how to minimize waste in your business, how to streamline things. Um, we started time clocking everything. We clocked how long it took from the time a sales person, the first project we did from the, when the salesperson turned in a job they sold till the time that it was ready to go out to be installed, processing, getting the paperwork, getting the permit, getting the HERS rater, you know, for the duck pressure testing in California, um, getting the crane. In many cases, we had to have a crane involved, um, all that stuff. We thought it took about 15 minutes to process the paperwork. When we clocked it, it was 54 minutes, five, four. And um, we built a process that brought it down to about nine minutes. And with lean management, they actually teach you how to make processes that people will actually follow. They make it so that it's, it would be easier to follow the process than not follow it. So you, you know, your people will keep doing it instead of making, I see this all the time. You make a process, you fill out a stupid book, you know, and then you go into the company and, and, oh, we got procedures. Yeah. Where are they? Oh, they're in this uh, binder. It's on this shelf over here. Like, oh, really? The one with that that is under the one inch of dust? Dust. Is that the one that no one looks at? Yeah. Okay, great. I'm glad somebody surely is going to spend all that time reading that 600 page, you know, (laughs) process manual you've got. Um, But anyway, I, uh, we started that year. um, We cleaned out the trucks. We cleaned up the operation. Lean management talks about setting a standard in your company. Like if you leave trash on the ground in your company, it sends a message to your technicians that it's okay to leave trash in your truck. Mm-hmm. It's okay to leave trash at your customer's house. It's okay to treat your stuff like garbage. Like, and I, I never really thought about the importance. I'm like, Oh, we're busy. Like there's some trash on the ground. Who cares? It's summer. Um, we pushed hard on that. We ended up buying service Titan uh, right before that. 
Uh, we're about three million in sales at the time. What year uh, is this? Uh, 2014 ish. Okay. Um, 2014 to 2015. And, um, so, and, and, you know, service site is just a tool like any other tool. Right. Um, and so we use that tool as it's one of the things, one of the tools we use to implement lean management, uh, all the processes and procedures and the automation and the forms and the automated reports is what we're able to automate. So, um, anyway, we start automating and that next year, but here's the crazy thing. We were at 5 million that year. The next year we went to 9.4 million in sales. And here's the big piece. Um, And this isn't an advertorial for service item. Service item is part of it. Lean management is part of it. You know, you got to be a good manager, but we, we had like, um, I think it's like 17 office staff at 5 million in sales. At 9.4 million, we had 18 office staff. We had one person in the office. We had a lot more field staff, but that really helped. Um, and then having a former billionaire sitting next to me explain to me all the things he did. Although he did spend a lot more time telling me jokes and crazy stories uh, <laughs> of what he did with his money than training me on business, but it, it did help. He was hanging out with Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. It, you know, the funny thing was, is that he was, he was making some political comment. Someone made some political comment about Al Gore. And I was sitting there next to him and he's like, yeah, I don't like that guy. Last time I was at Al Gore's house, he said this. And I looked at him. I said, did you just say last time you were at Al Gore's house? He's like, yeah, why? Yeah, yeah, I, was do, yeah I was doing kickstands. Oh so yeah. I, I, where is he now? got to know. He does consulting in California for ag businesses. Okay. But yeah, he, uh, he basically bought a tomato processing plant in California. He went down and got all the plants down in, uh, New Zealand and Australia, which you wouldn't think would be a big deal, except for he figured out that this is the brilliant piece of it. Hey, if you need tomatoes in wintertime in the U.S., you got to get them from the Southern Hemisphere because that's where summer is, right? Well, it's a lot easier to control the Southern Hemisphere tomato production because Africa is really volatile. It's hard to get tomatoes out of there. They don't produce a ton of them in South America. So if you own New Zealand and Australia tomato production, you pretty much own the whole Southern Hemisphere. Well, what happens then? Heinz, Hunts, uh, Frito-Lay, all those people have to come to you for salsa, ketchup, whatever. Brilliant. You pretty much control it. And so he had the president of Heinz ketchup on his speed dial. It's uh, it's just how he did it and what he did was just awesome. We already knew that, but that's cool. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we already knew how to control supply and demand of ketchup in the United States. Americans got to have ketchup. They'll pay whatever for it. Um, that's right. Yeah. They really will. Now, during this pe- time period, uh, I think you shared somewhere that you were able to like take your net profit to what four or five times the industry standard. What was the standard? What was the path to get there? And what stood out as like having the biggest impact on that? I think you guys read that on my LinkedIn profile. That industry standards are pretty low on profit. I don't know. This is the crazy part. Do you know what the average net profit is for an AC company in the United States? No. Want to take a guess? 15. EBITDA? Two. One to two percent. Two? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So four times isn't great. Like yeah. we've had years, we've never been the astronomical 25%. I wish, I wish I could say that. Um, you know, we try to hover around a 12, 13, 14% range, um, or up. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I know that 
Ken Goodrich is probably listening here, calling me a lightweight and everything else. Um, Ken's been to my shop, by the way, a couple of times and, uh, never, never hesitates to, to let me know. Um, this year it looks like we're pacing for about 3.1 million of EBITDA. So on, I don't know what that is on 25. So it should be 13 maybe. So, so if you were Tom Howard consulting again, and we could drop you into a business, you know, for 30 or 60 days, what are the things you would do to have the biggest impact on net profit? before you jet it out? Honestly, this is the, the biggest piece is um, most people, even larger companies are, really suck at forecasting mm-hmm. and making a plan and making a business plan. Yep. And um, I'll get into companies and, and they'll say, yeah, we're losing a ton of money. It's February. We just lost 200K this month. We got to fix something. Like, well, what was your budget? Um, well, uh, <laughs> it was quiet. Well, we had, uh, we we're supposed to do uh, a million bucks this month in revenue and, uh, we expect to do 15% EBITDA. So we should be at, uh, 150,000 profit. I'm like, well, that's not really how this works. Mm-hmm. Um, here you've got fixed expenses yeah, and right. you've got variable expenses. So, um, in your off season, you're going to probably lose money. And when we build a budget, um, and we forecast out, okay, this is what, we expect our revenues to be, and it's not super complicated. Um, what I've done, and hopefully I can explain this easily on the podcast, is we take the past three years um, of data, and I'll look at, like, let's say the past three Januaries. I'll add the three Januaries up, and let's say that's a million bucks. And then I'll add my um, totals for the three years together, and let's say that's, you know, um, 20 million bucks of revenue over three years. I take the million bucks from January, I divide that by the 20, and that tells me 5%. That says, on average, you generate 5% of your revenue in the month of January. And then we do that for every month. And so, you know, July might be like 15% of my revenue for the year comes in July and 8% in May or whatever it is. And then when we set our goal based on our trends, we say, okay, if we want to do, let's say 10 million this year in revenue, um, five, I'm just for easy numbers. If I typically do 5% of my revenue in January, that means I need to do $500,000 of revenue in January. And then it's pretty easy after that to say, okay, well, if I expect my gross margin to be 40%, 50%, whatever it is for your business, you just do, let's just say 50% to make this easy. And that'd be great. My install department, by the way, um, that would be, um, $250,000 of, uh, gross profit. Gross. And then I got to extra- subtract my fixed expenses. And if my fixed expenses are 350 grand, that means I have negative $100,000 of expected profit in January. And the reality is, is people freak out about that, but it's okay. If you forecast for the whole year and you're going to take those losses and gains for the year, and at the end of the year, you're going to be sitting at a million dollars or let's say $2 million of profit on 10 million in revenue, you're doing just fine. Even if it means you're going to lose 100K in January. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to not lose money in that month. But the crazy thing is, is when we go through and do that, and sometimes I get in these companies and we build that thing, and let's say it's February and they're losing 200K, we build the budget, we're like, oh, you were actually forecasted to lose 300K this month. Congratulations, you only lost 200K, you're 100K ahead of budget. They're like, oh my gosh, you're telling me I don't (laughs) have a problem? Like, no, you have a problem. We need to fix this. (laughs) But the reality is you're actually doing better than I would have expected. And sometimes... Here's the crazy part. Sometimes in the summer, sometimes you're making money and you're not making as much as you should. But 
doing this without a plan is crazy. It's like, it's like driving a car. And I know you, you know, Ishmael Valdez and probably talked to him a few times when oh, yeah. I first went in to meet him with his business. I was like, Ishmael, this is like driving a car, except you have no gauges and you have a blanket over the windshield. And as business owners, we do this all the time. You can feel the accelerator, you know, when you're going fast. And typically as business owners, we actually feel it by walking in the office and you can hear the phones ringing a lot and you can hear everybody freaking out. So business owners, as, as air conditioning business owner, we don't get happy unless we see everybody freaking out. Like that's when we know we're busy. And it's funny because we started, we started automating a lot of stuff at Ishmael's place and we started building his budget and he called me, he freaked out one time and it was like June. And he's like, Tom, like you said, this is going to be better. Like everything's quiet here. It's slow. And so I logged on to his service time account. I was like, dude, you're like killing it right now. You did like 3 million this month in revenue. He's like, what? He's like, but the phones aren't ringing. I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> we automated some of his phone process. But then also it was like, he's like, no one's freaking out. I'm like, yeah, you built processes that are smoother and um, you have the right amount of staff. Cause when you budget and forecast, by the way, now, you know, in March, how many people you're going to need in June, you're not waiting until June and freaking out and going, oh my gosh, I'm understaffed. Like my team knows if we're understaffed, I'm pissed. And it's not an accident. We either forecasted wrong or we didn't hire right. Or we didn't do our jobs like that. We, we should have known. Um, anyway, so I, I was, so I was texting with uh, Ishmael yesterday and I, 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 yeah, I've become like, we've become pretty good friends. And, um, and I know that like you came in and transformed that business and it went on a rock it's been on a rocket ship since you went in there and he, he's he's pr pretty open about it talking about it so um I, I love hearing you tell that story because it's it it seems i i still think and you probably know more than me because of the volume of companies that you work with but it's hard to look at that negative number and, and feel positive like feel, feel positive about it <laughs> yeah he and the thing with ishmael is and i've got to say this because i've done the same you know stuff as far as like telling people you know um, giving them similar things in their companies. And, and if they don't execute, then it doesn't matter. And right. my work there is pales in comparison to what he's done. So I don't want to take any credit from him. Um, but when you go in, like, it's all about that execution, right? In his case, he was really good at marketing and he's not afraid to execute. I went to his office once and I said, Hey, this is like the first two weeks I was there. I said, Hey, if we, um, if we automate X, Y, Z, like, you can have four less CSRs and dispatchers and still be able to do what you need to do. He's like, okay, sweet. And I said, okay. So I was like, let me figure out what we got to do and make a plan. He's like, okay. So this is like 9 a.m. I was getting ready to go to lunch. And I said, hey, Ishmael, you want to go to lunch? He's like, yeah. And uh, he said, hold on a minute. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, he just fired the fourth person. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I didn't automate this yet. He's like, well, you told me I can get rid of four people. I'm like, how did you even pick which ones? He's like, I told the manager, like, Find the lowest four, get rid of them. <laughs> like he's not afraid to execute, which is kind of terrifying. Um, and I got so inspiring. Yeah, it is. Um, crazy. And there's, it's a, uh, yeah, and and um, there's a, there's a few people like that that just like aren't afraid to execute. I think you know Travis Ringy. And oh yeah, Tyler Travis, Ringy, my boy. Right? He's right. He lives Dude, here with me. The, those guys, they, um, their execution ability. We were talking one time, we we're, we're uh, doing some consulting with them and, and a lot of it was about budgeting, forecasting, setting prices right, that kind of stuff. And um, they literally tripled their profit in one year. Mm -hmm. 
and went from less profit than what I had to like double the profit that I had <laughs> that year. And they called me and they're like, so what's up? We did what you told us to do. And we made triple and we're doing better than you. And I was like, well, the difference is guys is like you execute better than I do, I guess. because <laughs> yeah. You just kicked my butt. And it was just, I mean, I look at that. These consultants take a lot of credit for crap. And the funny thing is like the business owner that executes, that's what matters. You know, right. uh, that quote, that's so good. I just made a, don- yeah. I just made a donation to, Travis's company uh, two days ago, or when I was when we were in Mexico, <laughs> another yeah. donation. He he literally just you know I'm still working you know and trying to earn money and he sold his company and yep. is relaxing right now and really, I mean and and the money they got for their business is just absolutely incredible, life changing, amazing, yeah for sure, yeah. Tra- we're like I said we're I mean he their shop is about a mile away from my house but we're like we're, we've become pretty good friends too but they live up by me. Um, and yeah. I loved hearing him and like him and Ish came over and I think Brent and Brent Buckley came down from Vegas and we all like did a dinner together. I forget who else was here? Brent, Mike, Brad, Brian Combe was in. And anyway, it was a group of us. I loved hearing those guys just talk about like the, how their companies changed once they changed like their processes and their management of things. And like once they actually started looking at adding the different gauges, as you say, and removing the, yeah you know, the blanket from the windshield. It's fun to listen to them talk about it. I mean, our business obviously doesn't function the same as that. I mean, it's not the same type of business, but um, it's cool to hear them talk about those success stories. And then ultimately like what the ring selling at the end of last year to Leland. Um, it's pretty cool, but got to like finances are, are key, right? Like you can't run yeah. without money. I would say the other thing is, is with, with all of these stories, because I remember my, my lifetime goal when I got the company was to grow the company to 3 million annual revenue. Yep. And it was actually Ken Goodrich that told me one of the best things I've ever heard. He said, Tom, I've hit every single goal I've ever made. And his, his buying his plane was his last one. He said, what I'm pissed about is that I didn't make bigger goals sooner. Yeah. And um, I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And I noticed like, as soon as I grew to 3 million, I kind of stopped. And then I made a new goal for 5 million. And then the next year I did 5 million. Um, it's like, why don't I just make the bigger goals sooner? And one is make big goals. Two is, um, don't listen to other people that tell you you can't hit them. Like I actually stopped at around the 10 million range. Cause people told me that you can't have a business over 10 million in revenue in Fresno. It doesn't support it. When I actually ran the numbers, it's like, crap, I could do like a $50 million business in Fresno and still be fine. But I was listening to the, to the BS that yep. people were feeding me and just making it true. Um, and it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, um, the third thing is, and this is the biggest piece, um, you've got to believe that you can do it and don't make, don't, don't paint these people like the, the big companies is like superheroes. There's nothing that they're doing that you can't do. If you're in the United States owning a small business and air conditioning, plumbing, whatever, none of the stuff that we're doing as business owners, no matter what size we are, is something that no one else can do. Like no one has the market cornered on this stuff. When I finally like hit me in the head, like Tom, quit making excuses. Like, oh, that guy's big. That's why he can do that. Yeah. That guy does this. That's why he can do that. Like it's all the math and stuff we're talking about on forecasting. It's add, subtract, multiply, divide. I can do it. Even if you're not good at that, you can do it on a calculator or Microsoft Excel. There's nothing stopping you from like downloading a video 
I saw some guys that could, you know what? The perfect example is Dave Geiger. He's, he's hundred millions of sales, hundreds of millions in sales. He busted out his financial calculator the other day. He was doing time value of money calculations super fast, which are, you know, not something you could do with, you know, a simple education. I'm looking at, he has no college, no nothing. He's figured it out on his own. He's doing it. And he's running a business at hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. But he just decided, I'm just going to do it. And with the internet now, with what you can do, like, you just can't. Like, none of these guys that, you know, 100 million, 200 million are doing anything you can't do. You just, you, you have to not make excuses and just decide you're going to do it. I love this. So something you said earlier um, was that you, in the beginning, you went and visited as many shops as you possibly could. So yeah. anybody that's been on here or that I've talked to who said the same thing or they went and visited as many places they could are those who have the ability but not the knowledge. So you're going out trying to find something that someone's doing differently that you could apply to your business. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, you may uh, – it's – some of the stuff that you're saying might sound intimidating to our listeners, but, and yeah, you may have to take the time to actually to learn it, to, to apply it. Um, but I think if we found anything too, it's that you have a lot of, a lot of options for someone who will help you a lot. And we've said, the well, yeah. And if you don't have it, I mean, the, for the things that I couldn't learn how to do on my own, I hired somebody for it or I hired a third party in your case, Rhino marketing. Like right. if you, there's plenty of, of ways to talk to, you know, <laughs> talk to Rhino and say, okay, you know, I'm not good at this. How do I do this? And you've probably run into businesses that can do it. And, you know, you're providing a service at that point. There's nothing wrong with not being able to do it yourself. As long as you're willing to say, Hey, I'm going to execute. I'm going to pay somebody to do it. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. And you don't have to feel like, you don't have, doesn't have to make you feel like you're dumb. Like this is, <laughs> this is pretty normal. So we have quite a few people that reach out to me or Paul and ask us about a guest that was on it. Some, you know, maybe they downloaded episode number 16 and it was whomever. And, but they'll call and ask us questions. Hey, I'm having problems with this. Hey, I'm having an issue with this. Hey, I'm thinking about selling. Hey, I'm having, you know, sales problems. What's your opinion? I love getting those calls. I um, mean, we get more and more as the podcast popularity has grown. Um, and it's good because I, my, the best suggestions I have, I, I, or referrals I give are based on what I hear from our own customers like that I believe in their feedback because I don't want to have give my own opinion unless I know for a fact it's good before I give a referral so all these options are valuable to you listeners to you know to accomplish the things that Tom, that Tom is having success with and had success with ish and others that you know it's this is all something you can absolutely do but you got to apply yourself like you got to be able to reach out and do it and we are getting um, like super short on time so we didn't even get this back half of this but I want to no. I, I know and I want to but I want to try to wrap this thing up because I think we're right around what, 55 minutes in per cow Okay, so um, we didn't hit any of the service titan stuff, um, but I want to go ahead and, and leave uh, with this because I actually really love the path that this thing went down. I think it was ex- what I really mm-hmm. hoped to get from this podcast was going down that path, and you kind of went on, went on. Were uh, you were on one, Tom? And I didn't want to stop you, so it was money. Um, <laughs> but if if uh, you know, what do you want? Um, and, and after this question, we'll 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 um, share with the listeners your contact info if you're cool with that. Um, you know, like cell phone numbers and stuff like that. <clears throat> I'm kidding. Um, but whatever you want to No, it's fine. But, but I publish it. <laughs> what, <laughs> that's true. So you live on the record too. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? Like what is Tom Howard's legacy going to be? Because it's, it can't be about, it can't just be about like money. It can't just like, what do you want your legacy to be? 
Yeah, you know, I had to ask my wife that because I said, look, if we're at the point, our standard of living is really low. And with what we could sell these for and what my service Titan stock is worth, I mean, we definitely, it's way more than we would spend probably in a lifetime, especially if we had just invested in a simple mutual fund. And I said, I've got to decide like, what what are we doing this for now? Um, and do we keep going? Are you okay with it? And um, we had to really think about it. And I started realizing that, you know, um, I think we can change a lot in the world with business education. If, you know, it's the, it's, it levels the playing field for everybody. It doesn't matter if, if you don't have, if you didn't graduate from, you know, an Ivy league school or you didn't have whatever, but you can get out there and you have some business knowledge and, and training, you can probably make a business for yourself that supports yourself. And you could probably even become wildly successful. Um, and it takes luck, like, and it takes perseverance. Like, I'm not saying that everyone's going to become a multi-multi-millionaire, but I definitely think with some basic business education, we could. And with the pieces that are out there right now, I think we do it. I happen to be someone that's in the trade. So I think that that business education in the trades is important. And so I want to do things more for the underprivileged communities and saying like, okay, how do we get to the point where people get excited about the trades? It's one of the reasons why I'm at Service Titan. I feel like if I can keep going there, it's a huge platform to, we always talk about, oh, we don't have enough technicians. We don't have enough plumbers. And the government wants to make more trade schools about it. It's like making more trade schools. Half the trade schools we have already are empty right. and people don't want to go. Why? Because the trade schools aren't cool and it does, the trades aren't something that people want to get into. If we can educate people about that though, this is how you make money. This is how you make a business. This is how you can support your family and get you excited about going to do it, we can change the world. We could literally increase the middle class. We could increase the upper class. I mean, that's when I started realizing, okay, this is what I got to do. Dude, that's fantastic. I got goosebumps. Uh, me too. Yeah. Early, early in the, early in that dialogue, I had goosebumps, man. Well, what a, what a legacy. Yeah. The, Thanks. the, the, um, I love when I can feel passion. You know, not just here, but when you can feel it, like, and I'm a, uh, I'm an empathetic guy, but you, you guys, I don't know if you're, if you're listening to this, you can see Tom perk up, but like he was, he was, he's all perked <laughs> up talking. About, and that's great. I love that kind of legacy because that's a legacy that's much bigger than, uh, than any like revenue amount that you could walk away with, you know, or, or, or earthly possession, if you will. So, um, I commend you for that. That's fantastic. And, uh, and I, and I have no doubt like that, that's something that, that you will do and I'm, I'm good for you. So Thanks, listen, man. I, um, I want to thank you, man. I appreciate you coming on, spending you know an hour with us, uh, and taking that away from your family in the evening or or work at the. I know you got plenty of work to do there, at Service Titan. Um, <laughs> but thank you, man, for being on the podcast. Um, thank you, I appreciate it, guys. Chris, can really you make good. me a promise? What's up? Can we please have him back to go all in on the AI, half. the future of HVAC, Service Titan? What happened with the investment? Where is it going? Where is it going to be? Why are you? you know, on the other side of the globe working hundred hour days. And what does that mean for the industry? We got to have that. Guys, there's some really cool stuff happening with artificial intelligence in our industry right now. And uh, I'd love to go over it. So listen, throw out this teaser to, to, to close this thing off, throw out the teaser that you were talking about that you guys learned on AI with technicians. Are you cool with that? Can you do it? Can you do <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. As a teaser, as a teaser, we're currently, as a teaser, what we're currently working on um, and we actually had really good results with it. We, um, we have all your technician data. We can see what they offer to customers, how often they offer to customers, things like that. We 
built a model that checks um, basically what those patterns are with your technicians. And with that, we were able to fairly accurately predict um, when a technician was probably going to quit. And That's we so said, cool. wow, like if we can do that and if we could tell business owners ahead of time, now this is, we're about probably, well, I don't put timelines on it, but it's sure. pretty close. We've actually been test in testing for several months now. If we can do things like that, if we can, if we can get to the point where we can say, okay, we know not only if your technician is going to quit and you should talk to them and find out what's going on. You know, they're, they're not leaving as many pictures on the, on the account anymore. They're not writing up a good invoice. They're not leaving estimates for the customer. We know something's wrong um, because we can, the machine can see what their former patterns were, but we can also, let's say in the future, what if one day we could point out to, okay, we noticed this technician's had four callbacks on the, on this thermostat expansion valve in a row. That technician needs training on a thermostat expansion valve. We can tell you about it before you even know. Um, we can get to the point where we can start doing these things. Um, we can be a true business intelligence tool for the contractor and put the tools in the hands of contractors that only the mega enterprises, the, the Amazons of the world had before. That's what we really want to get to. Um, yeah, there's How's that for a, a lot of stuff coming up. How's that, baby? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I love it. Well, listen, um, 100% we'll get it booked. Um, we'll get you back on to hit this, the back half. I mean, we did, we didn't even ask like five questions. <laughs> we left five <laughs> of them. All. Um, but that's okay. So that, I think that's a great teaser and that, it's really cool. And, and, you know, as most of our, um, like we have a, you know, obviously a large, a large group of customers of ours, I think a hundred plus that are using service type platform. Um, and i and Paul and I both believe wholeheartedly in it. Um, and what it does for businesses. Cause we've seen, we, we obviously have the unbiased opinion and we've seen the success of it and growth with our customers because uh, you gotta be able to manage that sucker regardless of what we do in, in, in regards to lead volume. One, you gotta have bodies and you gotta have processes in place to, you know, to keep growing these things and scaling these things. So appreciate you again, man, coming on and taking the time TP. Uh, you have any closing statements? Or are you good to go? And don't make it a question. It's going to be five minutes either. I have no statements. Thank you for your time today. <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, I appreciate it. Listeners, uh, hopefully you appreciated that and you have some good notes to take away. Um, if you listened closely, you have notes to take away or you can really do it again, one or two. But one, we want to just say again, thank you um, for always coming back and listening. And remember, if you haven't subscribed, you got to hit the subscribe button, subscribe to this podcast and you get them automatically sent to you. But we also couldn't, uh, you know, we, you couldn't make our days better if you didn't leave reviews. And we have a good one we would like to share with you too. And that's is from... Uh, John Idler, and it was uh, captioned the best service industry podcast. I would agree. I agree with John. I think it is the best. Um, and it is five stars. It says, I just discovered this podcast, and I absolutely love it. This is exactly the podcast I have been li looking for. This is actually from back in July 10th of 2020. Thank you, John. Cool. Appreciate we hope that, you still John. feel that way. I appreciate that, John. <laughs> um, Tom, did you know I was on um, with uh, Jackie? Uh, during COVID when I, I think it came on the service type yes. the expert panel, I did that and we did some stuff together, which is pretty cool. Um, awesome. and then we have uh, service Titan on as a sponsor of our ask, can anything live podcast, the one and only remember that. Awesome. That's right. Listen, yeah, appreciate you dude. listeners. We're so grateful for you. Keep coming back and listening and don't forget to share this with your peers or whomever else you think might need this because that's the whole reason we do this podcast until next time. We'll see you. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. 
we really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, it's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review and be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.